Good evening, and welcome back to Nighty Night with Rabia Chadri. Bedtime stories to keep you awake. I'm DJ Lou Bell, the show's producer. Tonight's tale shows us what fear, panic, and despair can do to our realities. Please enjoy Home Safe. A steady stream of sweat trickled down the back of Anna's neck, down, down, until it met her damp cotton shirt, which was already stuck to her body. It wasn't yet noon, but the Kentucky sun was high in the sky, and the kitchen was slowly turning into an oven. Julys were brutal in these parts, but Anna wouldn't trade in her little farm for anything. It had taken years to convince Cole to move from the big city to the country, begging him to think about the boys— about the fresh air and big skies and the opportunity to raise a family in a safe place. She didn't miss Atlanta one bit, hated the rush and noise and housing costs that meant they couldn't even afford a yard for the boys to play in. But here, here they had ten acres of pasture, woods, wide open spaces miles from the closest neighbor. Here the boys helped plant and harvest their modest garden, fed the chickens and gathered eggs, discovered flowers and insects they'd never seen before, climbed trees, and explored the creeks crisscrossing the boundaries of their property. True, they didn't have all the amenities here. No big shopping mall close by. No mega movie theater or cool bistros. Not a single sushi restaurant for 50 miles at least. But these were small sacrifices for the life she wanted. One where her and Cole and the boys connected over jars of fireflies and camping on the wraparound porch on warm nights. On days like this, when the air conditioner was on the fritz and it felt like she could barely breathe, she tried to count her blessings and remember why they moved here. Anna glanced over at Kyle, who sat coloring on the floor in his underwear. The four-year-old was nothing like his older brother. Brandon was the quiet one, a nine-year-old boy with the soul of a wise old man. She often found him tucked into odd corners of the house or the old barn reading, or up late at night quietly looking through the telescope in his room as it pointed to a country sky full of more stars than she ever knew existed. Kyle, on the other hand, could barely sit still or stay quiet. He bounced like a ball all over the house, was constantly falling down steps and tearing holes in his hand-me-down clothes. It was a miracle he had been quietly coloring for the past half an hour. The heat was likely wearing him out, too. Anna turned back to the cookbook, her finger tracing the lines in the pound cake recipe pound cake with fresh berries and cream. That would be this week's Friday night dessert. She only made desserts on Fridays and made enough for Saturday brunches, but she didn't believe in having dessert every day. The rest of the week was for fruit when the sweet tooth hit. Fruit or fresh lemonade. A single fly buzzed around as if in a fever dream, breaking her concentration. Annoyed, she swatted at it as it moved slowly around her head. That damn screen door. Anna looked towards the far end of the kitchen, past the tiny dinette table they'd inherited from the previous owners, and glared at the large hole dead center in the screen door. She had been asking Cole to fix it for weeks now, after she had discovered Kyle happily cutting it out with a steak knife. Fixing it would have to wait, though. Anna's list of honeydews was longer than Cole could get through nowadays. He worked long hours as a factory foreman the next town over. The only time he had to tinker around the house was on the weekends. Anna stepped away from the counter, 
swatting at the fat, bottle-green fly again, and rummaged around the junk drawer until she found the roll of duct tape in the back corner. This would have to do for now, she thought. Kyle looked up to see his mother tear three strips of the tape off with her teeth and plaster them across the hole. He ducked his head, hoping she didn't get angry at him about it again. Satisfied with the temporary fix, Anna put her hands on the frame of the screen door and looked to the left, then to the right. No sign of Brandon. Hmm. Well, he was probably out digging a hole or reading in a tree somewhere. It was almost time for lunch. He'd be home soon enough. If there was one thing her two boys had in common, it was a ravenous appetite. She smiled. She loved feeding her boys, all three of them. Kyle, baby, where were you playing with Brandon earlier? Kyle looked up, his freckles standing out against flushed red cheeks. Out by the barn, Mama. Brandon was building an anthill next to the tractor. A favorite pastime her quiet boy, stacking rocks and mounds of dirt to create homes for little creatures he hoped would live in them. Half the time, Kyle would come running out of left field to kick Brandon's creation over, then zoom off laughing as fast as his bow legs could go, as if Brandon would ever come after him. He'd never lay a finger on his little brother. Wouldn't hurt a hair on a fly. Anna returned to the ingredients neatly laid out next to a mixing bowl and began measuring and pouring, mixing and whisking. Once the batter was ready, she decided she'd make the boy sandwiches and then go soak in a cold bath. Maybe even take a nap before getting supper started. She'd been up since dawn and could use a few hours of downtime before Cole got home. In the dream, she was running. Just running. From what or to what, she wasn't sure. There was a sense of panic in her running, but she wasn't sure why. A vibrant green field stretched around her in every direction, flat and verdant, not a tree or hill or fence in sight. The field was endless, eternal, as was her running. Where were her babies, her husband? She didn't know. She was alone, and her feet were flying beneath her as she suddenly noticed the sky began to darken. Night fell in a mere instant, but she kept running in the pitch black darkness, not even able to see the next step before her, but unable to come to a stop. Mama, Mama! Kyle's voice broke through her sleepy haze and she felt his little sticky hand on her arm, slapping it slightly to wake her. Anna sat up, disoriented. Her head felt heavy and she wiped a stream of saliva from her chin. Wow, she had slept so soundly she'd slobbered all over the pillow. She looked out of the window and saw a line of black clouds in the distance. The bright, hot day had turned muggy and overcast. She looked at her watch. 3 p.m. She had slept two solid hours. Mama, it's gonna rain. Can I play in the rain, please? Anna stroked her younger son's face and smiled. Nothing scared him, not even thunder and lightning. Okay, we'll see. Depends on how bad the storm is, and not without your brother. She walked out of her room and peeked into the boys' room, expecting Brandon to be snoring on the top bunk of their bed set, knocked out after a morning exploring outdoors and a full tummy from lunch. The bed was empty and still made. Maybe she thought he was watching TV. The boys were only allowed an hour a day and usually watched before dinner, but she wouldn't put it past them to sneak some TV time in while she was asleep. Kyle trailed after her, singing a tune in a sweet, off-kilter voice. The living room, though, sat silent and empty, and she walked through to the kitchen where the towel and chips she'd left for Brandon were still on the counter, covered with a paper towel. Anna turned to face Kyle and asked, Hey buddy, where's your brother? She couldn't imagine that Brandon had been out this entire time and not returned once. 
not to escape the heat or for a cold drink. He must have come indoors and then left again. Kyle shrugged his shoulders and Anna leaned down to face him. It's okay, he won't get in trouble. Just tell me if he came in while I was asleep. Kyle shook his head. No, Mama, he didn't come back. Anna felt her stomach twist as she slowly rose. What if... What if Brandon had gone to the creek? Her boys were drawn over and over to the large creek that snaked through the west side of their property, searching for frogs and snails, splashing around in their birthday suits on hot days. In many places, the water was low enough for even Kyle to walk through it, but there were drop-offs and areas where the current was fast enough to sweep away a little boy. They were both forbidden to ever go there without a parent, and Brandon was usually too careful to do anything risky or disobey them. But still, Brandon was at the age at which he was getting more independent. Anything was possible. She looked at her cell phone and debated whether to call Cole. Her husband would be home in a couple of hours anyways, and it took 40 minutes to get home from his workplace. The first thing he'd ask her was if she had gone out looking for Brandon, so she decided she had better do that before calling him. Come on, sweetie, put on your sandals. We're going to go find Brandon. He must be so hungry. She tried to keep her voice light, despite the rising panic in her chest. She walked to the screen door and looked up at the near-black clouds gathering in layers as far as her eyes could see. Kyle came shuffling over and held out his hand. She leaned down and picked him up instead, holding him close to her chest as she half ran down the wooden steps and across the yard. If you're enjoying Nighty Night, bedtime stories to keep you awake, we would really appreciate it if you would follow us and leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. Thank you. People always say it's about the journey, not the destination. And they're right. Getting there effortlessly is what base luggage and bags were made for. Base is there for your journey and mine, whatever your next destination will be. Base was created by actress Shay Mitchell to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel easily while still looking fashionable. Base has thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360-degree gliding wheels, a cushioned handle, built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, and all the interior pockets you need to keep organized. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors, and for shorter trips, the Weekender bag is super functional and even has a place to store your shoes separately. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, Base has your personal items covered. Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com night. That's B-E-I-S-T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash night. Go to basetravel.com slash night for 15% off your first purchase. B-E-I-S travel.com slash night. I don't know about you, but I turn off all the notifications on all my devices. Well, except for this one. That's because that's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from everywhere. Whether your thing is vintage teas or recipes for ghee, start selling with Shopify and join the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you can create an online store in your vibe, discover new customers, and grow the following that keeps them coming back. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. 
even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free libraries full of educational content, Shopify's got you every step of the way. Look, those of you that follow me online know that I love my chai, and I have been asked by hundreds of people to make and sell my own chai recipe. And if I were going to, it would be on Shopify. Because Shopify makes selling so simple, I can just put myself out there and my ideas out there. Whether your thing is making ebooks or chai, Shopify makes your success possible. So when you're ready to launch your thing into the spotlight, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform backing millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Go on, try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash night, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash night to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash night. Thunder grumbled, and she picked up her pace, rounding the barn to where the tractor always stood. It was dozens of years old, rusty and immovable, left there like a war relic from long ago. Neither she or Cole had any use for a tractor. They had never planned to actually work the farm, and their garden was manageable without one. So the tractor had become a piece of playground equipment for the boys, who loved to pretend to drive it, bounce on its massive tires, or lay across the roof of it at night while stargazing. Right now, the tractor stood like a mute mammoth, looming over the anthills that her son had built next to it. She spun around in a complete circle, straining her eyes to see if she could spot him anywhere, and called out, Brandon, where are you? Brandon, sweetie, come home, it's going to storm. In return, there was just silence, the eerie silence that takes over nature before a howling storm. Mama, maybe he's in the barn, Kyle offered hopefully. Anna nodded and jogged around towards the barn door, but she found it as she had left it days earlier, padlocked from the outside after she discovered the boys playing with the rusty pitchforks. You'll poke your eyes out, Brandon. You should know better, she had admonished her son. She had then scooted them outside and locked the doors behind her so they wouldn't end up getting hurt from any of the old rusting farm equipment laying around. The last thing she needed was a kid getting tetanus from a cut. Cole had shook his head that night when she told him what happened. Hey, you gonna raise them like city boys or country boys now? You wanna raise them wild? You gotta let them be a little wild. Anna felt sheepish, but decided she would keep the barn locked anyway. Now, as she stood holding Kyle with one arm, she pulled on the padlock, and she already knew that Brandon couldn't be inside. She walked slowly back to the anthills, looking for any sign of her son. That was when the sky finally broke and the first fat drops hit Anna on her bare arms, but she didn't feel them. Her eyes were fixed on a trail of small footsteps in the gravel that led towards the fields. Fields that led to woods. Woods where the creek lay hidden. Like a sign, lightning zipped across the western sky above the woods, illuminating the tops of the trees and filling her with dread. She released Kyle from her grip and flipped over her cell phone with shaky hands, hunching over it to protect it from the heavy drops that were coming faster. She scrolled to her husband's number and pressed the call button. The words call failed flashed at her, and she tried again, and then again. She clenched her teeth in frustration and nearly flung the phone away. So much for country living. This is what she wanted, isolation from the rest of the world. She looked back towards the house, her mind racing. Should she follow Brandon's footsteps or go back into the house to call Cole from the landline? Fuck it, she thought. She couldn't waste any more time. She had to go to the creek. 
she frantically typed out a text to her husband, hoping the phone would catch a signal and eventually send it. Can't find Brandon, been gone for hours, going to check the creek. She pressed send, clicked the phone off, and a shiver ran through her bones. It was pouring, but the heavy sheets of rain were tempered by the thick woods. The gray-black sky darkened the woods so completely it felt like it was near nighttime, though they were hours away from sunset. She kept calling out her son's name as she sometimes dragged Kyle, sometimes carried him, through the narrow path that led to the creek. She was soaked from her hair to her sandals, and leaves stuck to her wet legs as she pushed through brambles. When she finally emerged onto the bank of the creek, she stopped short her heart pounding. The water was high, higher than she had ever seen it, and it was dark and moving fast. Her grip on Kyle tightened and she frantically looked up and down the length of the creek for any sign of Brandon. What if he'd slipped on the rocks and twisted an ankle? Could he be laying somewhere out of sight, waiting for help? Or what if he got lost in the woods? How long could he be lost, though? There were dirt roads running alongside the woods for miles. Eventually, he would emerge onto one. She hoped he'd found shelter under a big tree or in a nook somewhere. She hoped he was anywhere but in the water. The boys were never allowed to come to the creek alone, and any time she came with them, they stayed close to the path that led from their fields and through the woods. She would open up a blanket in the small clearing by the water and read a book while the boys played. The only rule was that they had to stay within eyesight. If Brandon had come down here alone, he had broken one rule. If he had traveled up or down the creek further than she allowed them, he had broken another. But he wasn't a rule-breaker. She was sure of it. Kyle was the unruly one. Brandon never disobeyed his parents. He wasn't a risk-taker. She often worried about Kyle, about what he'd be like as a teenager, but never about Brandon, her sweet, easy child who still asked permission every time he wanted to play a video game or have a glass of juice. Still, a nine-year-old boy by himself could get into trouble without meaning to. He could have started following a rabbit and lost track of where he was. She looked upstream and downstream, her heart torn about which way to go from there. A few seconds later, she decided it was more likely for him to walk downstream, along with the flow of the water. Brandon always said he wished he could race the water down to wherever it ended. Where does the water end, Mama? He asked her once. She had leaned down and put a hand on his shoulder, looking him in the eye earnestly. It ends in a pot of rainbow gold, sweetheart. Then she tickled him in the ribs, and they both giggled. What if he'd gone looking for the rainbow pot of gold? Come on, baby, she said as she picked up Kyle to begin trekking south on the bank, along with the racing dark water. Her feet alternately slipped and got stuck in the muck and mud, but she barely noticed. Her head on a swivel and eyes narrowed as she called out her son's name. She saw nothing. No movement other than water. Water from the sky, water in the creek. Twenty minutes later, she finally stopped, huffing and puffing from the exertion, the creek bank having disappeared after merging into the woods. Mama, a tiny voice brought her out of her head. She looked down at Kyle, who had his head tucked under her chin. He was soaked, his long lashes stuck together, cheeks pale, tiny body slightly shaking. Oh God, what was she doing? She had to get back home to get Kyle out of the storm. She set the boy down and pushed his curls away from his face. Baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm scared, Mama, he responded. Anna nodded and picked him back up. She took one long look up and down the creek, hoping against hope 
that in those last moments before she trudged back through the woods, she would see or hear Brandon. But there was nothing. No sound but the rain and the creek. No movement but water washing over everything. Her tears mingled with the rain as she turned and headed home. Half an hour later, her arms exhausted, she put Kyle down 50 yards from the house. The rain was slower here, but when Anna looked back, she could see it still lingered over the woods. He could be out there, she thought. She had left her baby out in the storm. Her chest tightened and she felt like she was going to throw up. But she couldn't go back. She had to get Kyle into warm, dry clothing, under some covers. Her eyes still darted left to right, scanning the perimeter of the home for any sign of Brandon, but everything was as she had left it. She was still 20 yards from the porch, with Kyle dragging behind her when she looked up at the door. Her heart nearly stopped. Standing behind the torn screen door was Brandon, looking down at his mother and brother. Oh my God, Brandon! Anna's words came out like a whisper as she sprang forward, bounded up the steps and came to a halt, her heart racing on the other side of the screen as Brandon. A sob rose up through her body and she fell to her knees, her face in her hands as she rocked with relief. She felt Kyle's tiny hands on her back, then around her neck, his sweet voice repeating over and over, It's okay, Mama, don't cry, don't cry. The screen door creaked open slightly and she looked up with swollen, bleary eyes to see Brandon holding it open, a smile on his face. He too, like his little brother, was soaked. Brandon, baby, where were you? Anna gasped as she entered the kitchen and took her elder son by the shoulders. She pulled him into her chest and buried her face in his wet hair, which smelled like rain and creek muck. Then she pushed him away, holding him at arm's length, running her eyes over him from head to toe. His large brown eyes sat against pale skin, and he leaned forward to put his head on his mother's chest. Anna caressed his wet hair, removing bits of leaves and twigs from it. Are you okay? Are you hurt? She leaned back to look at him again. Brandon's smile widened and he shook his head. I'm fine, Mama. I'm safe now. She pulled him in again, her words breaking. You have no idea what... what I thought. Thank you, God. Thank you. But where... where were you? A whimper reached her ears and she looked down to see Kyle wrapped around her legs. She snapped into the present and wiped her face. Brandon's skin was clammy and Kyle was shivering so hard his teeth chattered. She needed to get them both out of their wet clothes and into a warm bath. Come on, both of you, she commanded sternly, though her heart was swelling with joy and relief, and she took her sons by the hand, one on each side. For true fans of true crime, the Generation Y podcast is essential listening. Hosts Aaron and Justin started this podcast in 2012 to dissect some of the craziest and most notable murders, crimes, and conspiracies together. And 10 years later, they're still at it, unraveling a new case each week. Aaron and Justin take on infamous cases like the evil genius bank robbery, the Zodiac Killer, and the Tylenol murders. They also cover lesser-known cases like the case of Kimberly Rico, a.k.a. the Valentine murder, where Kim takes her husband on a romantic weekend that includes a murder mystery play that she, of course, uses as a cover to murder him for insurance money. The two go over every angle, breaking down theories, diving deep into forensic evidence, and interviewing those close to the case. And honestly, it feels like you're in the room with them while they get into it. 
Follow the Generation Y podcast on Amazon Music or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus on Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Steam rose from the tub as she filled it with water warm enough to bring back some feeling to her fingers. She realized she needed to clean up and warm up too. Okay, get undressed and get in. Rant and help your little brother. I'll be right back. Anna pulled off her dress as she entered her bedroom, the panic of the past couple of hours still subsiding from her body and mind. Deep breaths, she thought. Deep breaths. Tonight, after dinner, all she wanted to do was pull her boys into her bed and snuggle with them until they all fell asleep together. She never wanted to let them go. All three of her boys. Cole. Her husband's name popped in her mind as she stepped into the hot shower. Where was he? Why wasn't he home yet? Had he gotten caught in the storm? Two minutes later, she was out of the shower and toweling off. She pulled on a t-shirt and leggings as she looked around their bedroom for her phone. What the hell had she done with it? Downstairs, she probably forgot it there when she saw Brandon. She glanced towards the boys' bathroom from the top of the stairs, but decided they would be fine for another minute. Right now, she needed to get in touch with Cole. The phone was nowhere to be found in the kitchen and it wasn't until a breeze moved the screen door slightly that Anna looked in its direction and saw the phone sitting on the floor of the porch. She rolled her eyes. She had kept it tightly gripped under an arm to keep it as dry as possible as she was searching the creek, but then left it on the porch to get soaked outside. She carefully wiped it down, turned it on, and sighed with relief when the home screen popped to life. She went straight to her messages to see if Cole had left anything. Her eyes scanned his message three times before it registered. Babe, I'm heading straight to the Carruthers farm downstream to check for Brandon. Don't worry, we'll find him. Oh no, Cole was out there now, in the rain, in the woods, in the approaching darkness looking for Brandon, not knowing that Brandon was home safe. She hit the call button and it went straight to voicemail. She hung up and hit it again. Again, voicemail. Crap, maybe his phone was dead. He never kept it charged. Anna rubbed her temples and her face. Okay, she'd just wait. Eventually he'd come home or call her or something. She climbed the stairs and peeked her head into the bathroom where she left Brandon and Kyle. Kyle was sitting in the tub, making whooshing sounds with a little plastic toy boat. Where's your brother? Anna asked. I don't know, Mama. Kyle shrugged and continued to make waves with one hand and navigate his toy boat with the other. Anna turned on her heel and burst into the room next door, the boys' room. There, in the dim light, she saw him laying in bed, back towards her, covers pulled up to his shoulders. She whispered, Sweetie? But got no response. He must be exhausted. She wanted to wake him, hold him again, give him something to eat so he could rest on a full belly. But no, she never believed in waking a sleeping person. Rest was more important than food right now, so she'd make him his favorite breakfast in the morning. Cream cheese stuffed French toast, topped with bacon, all smothered in real maple syrup. She returned to the bathroom and gently splashed Kyle. He giggled, and she reached into the now-tepid water to drain the tub. Then she lathered and rinsed Kyle off with fresh water, dried him down, and got him into his PJs. Kyle skipped down the stairs behind Anna, whining, Mama, I'm so hungry. Okay, you little beastie. I'll get something warm into your tummy. Half an hour later, as Anna snuggled with Kyle in front of the TV, she checked her phone again. Still, no message from Cole. She dialed him, but again, it went directly to voicemail. She typed out a text. Cole, Brandon is home safe. Come back, we're waiting for you. 
put her head back on the couch and closed her eyes. She wasn't sure how long she'd been dozing when her phone rang. Anna's eyes flew open and she reached around the seat to grab the phone before it stopped ringing. As her tired eyes adjusted to the screen, she read the words, Susie Carruthers. It was from the neighbor's house, maybe calling her from there because his phone was dead. Anna popped off the couch and answered the phone with a breathless, Cole, did you get my message? Nothing but silence from the other end of the line for a few long seconds. And then a voice responded, Hi, darling, it's Susie. I, I, well, Cole asked me to call you. Could you come down here? Anna hesitated for a moment before asking, Why? Is everything all right? Is Cole all right? Yes, sweetie, Cole's fine, but um, he'd like you to come over right now. I can't really say much right now. Can you just please come? Anna's mind raced. Why would Cole ask her to come over to the Carruthers? Maybe his truck got stuck on their dirt road, which was likely a muddy mess by now. But wouldn't he just get a ride home from them? Uh, okay, I'll be right over. Anna gave Kyle a jiggle and said, Hey baby, daddy's next door. He needs to see us. Let's go. We'll be back in 10 minutes. We can just let your brother sleep. Kyle searched Anna's face with confused eyes and then followed his mother out of the door and into their SUV. The unpaved lane leading to the Carruthers' home was as mucky as she expected. Her headlights illuminated pools of dark water and the car bounced on the uneven gravel. She glanced back at Kyle, who still clutched the toy boat from earlier. She'd only been to the Carruthers a few times and knew the lane ran parallel to the creek before veering off to the left after nearly a third of a mile. Even before she turned the bend, she could see lights that didn't quite belong. It took a second for her to understand what she was seeing. A revolving series of red, white, and blue flashes coming from half a dozen vehicles parked on the Carruthers' driveway. Anna pulled up quickly and jumped out, leaving Kyle in the car. Cole. Cole. Something happened to Cole, a voice roared inside her head as she raced to a group of first responders kneeling on the lawn. Oh God, Cole, she screamed as arms suddenly went around her, holding her back. Cole, let me see my husband. What happened? The arms tightened and then turned her around. She was facing Cole, whose red face was streaked with tears. His head fell forward onto her shoulder and his body shuddered with sobs. She held him frozen, unable to comprehend anything that was happening. Brandon, baby, it's Brandon. I found him. I don't think, I don't think. His sentence dissolved into tears and Anna pulled away from him, incredulous. What are you saying, Cole? I left you a message. Look at your phone. Brandon's home. I told you I found him. He's home right now. Cole took her by the hand and led her to where EMTs were now standing somberly, packing up equipment. They stepped towards a small figure laying on the lawn, and Anna's knees gave away. Her son, her eldest, her sweet Brandon, lay still and quiet. His face pale, leaves and small twigs stuck in his hair. His slender legs were caked with mud, his shorts torn and filthy. Anna sat ten feet away, staring, not believing her eyes. Then she began crawling through the sopping wet grass towards her still son and threw herself on his cold frame. No, 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 how? You came home, you came back home! Her howls grew louder until suddenly a voice broke through her cries of disbelief. A small, sweet voice inside her head, a voice she had been desperate to hear all day. I am home, Mama. I'm home safe.
Hi, Nighty Night listeners. Welcome back. I know it's been quite a while since we last aired some creepy bedtime stories to keep you awake, but now we're back with a fantastic slate of them to get you through the rest of the year. So there are a couple of reasons I wrote this story to jumpstart this season of Nighty Night. The first is, well, I mean, we are firmly in spooky season, and what's more spookier than seeing dead people? Which is why this story isn't based on one single event. It's based actually on thousands. The phenomena of people seeing loved ones who have passed away is actually really, really common. Sometimes they're referred to as bereavement hallucinations, at least by scientists, who believe grieving people have a perceptual experience of someone they love who died. For example, in 2002, German researchers published a report that heartbreakingly described how a mother, grieving her daughter's death, often saw the young girl and sometimes heard her say, Mama, mama, it's so cold. And a 2008 article in the Scientific American noted a study from the University of Gottberg that found, quote, over 80% of elderly people experience hallucinations associated with their dead partner one month after bereavement, as if their perception had yet to catch up with the knowledge of their beloved's passing. As a marker of how vivid such visions can seem, almost a third of the people reported that they spoke in response to their experiences. In other words, these weren't just peripheral illusions. They could evoke the very essence of the deceased. Of course, the way the phenomena is named makes it clear that scientists don't actually believe these folks are seeing a dead person. In other words, it's not a ghost or a soul visiting the living. Rather, scientists believe that it's a hallucination, a figment of the bereaved person's imagination that can help them cope. In some cases, though, the experiences aren't reassuring. They're distressful. In fact, a 2020 literature review found that about one quarter of such hallucinations, if that's what they are, are either frightening, hostile, or otherwise negative. Either way, though, scientists have a very thorough explanation of how grief operates to create hallucinations that involve serotonin receptors and brain activity that, frankly, I don't understand too well. But grief doesn't explain another very typical time that the living see the dead, which ties into the second reason I wrote this story. You see, right now, my own father is currently in hospice care, and for that reason, I've been spending many, many hours learning about the process of death. What I've found is that there is such a common occurrence of seeing loved ones who have passed as you approach your own death that is often even included in hospice literature. It turns out nearly all end-of-life caregivers have experienced the person they're caring for, the person who is actively dying, see or talk to already deceased loved ones. Sometimes they'll even lift their arms in the air, hands reaching out as if to take someone's hand to guide them forward. Now, I'm not on TikTok much, but I've spent more time on it since being pointed to the account of hospice nurse Julie McFadden, whose handle is at hospice nurse Julie. And nurse Julie shares that she has been through this phenomena over and over again. Once again, though, scientists have chalked up these visions to a dying brain seeing things. That's not what hospice doctor Christopher Kerr found when he interviewed 1,400 dying patients for his 2020 book, Death is But a Dream. In fact, here's what Kerr says in an interview with Discover Magazine. Quote, A very important distinction is that vantage point is everything. We're not talking about the moments and hours before death, where you're literally talking about a deoxygenated brain and altered states are more common. We're talking about screening by days, weeks, and even months before death. 
Some of these people are driving, doing their taxes, and living alone. These people don't have compromised neurologic functions. You can't attribute it to a neurotransmitter flux or anything like that. These are people who are highly functional. The conclusion to a study was this, again, to quote, nearly 90% of people within the days and weeks before death have at least one of these events that are defined by being extraordinarily real and profoundly meaningful. They increase in frequency as people get nearer to death. What was also fascinating was who was in the dreams. And far and away, it was the people who loved or secured us best, who loved us unconditionally. You could be 95 years old, but it could be your mother's voice from when you were five that you're hearing. People who have had near-death experiences almost across the board also report seeing loved ones who have passed away. But of course, seeing dead people doesn't always mean you're close to your own demise or even grieving a close loved one. For example, in one of her very informative videos, Nurse Julie shares a story about being visited by someone at the very moment they passed away and hearing that young man's voice in her head reassuring and comforting her that he was okay. And of course, we have all heard of young children seeing dead people, often loved ones like grandparents, and sometimes they're loved ones they haven't even met. Look, I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, there's much more going on here than science can ever explain or understand. Tonight's Tale is written by Rabia Chaudhary. Nighty Night is executive produced by Rabia Chaudhary and Colin Thompson. It's produced by DJ Lou Bell. It's edited by Anton Doty and Matt Sewell. It's mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Original music by Andrew Gerlicker. Nighty Night is a cast original podcast. Thanks so much for listening to an episode of Nighty Night, bedtime stories to keep you awake. Now that you're spooked to the bone and won't be able to sleep all night, please go ahead and follow, rate, and review us. Sweet dreams.